What does barbecue mean to you? It's all about family. Good food. Summertime and friends. Of nostalgia. A whole lot of tasty. Soul-filling, belly-filling goodness. All of my favorite foods. A cultural touchstone. For me, it's a tether to the people who came before me. Getting together with family and friends. Happy New Year, friends, and welcome to episode number 184 of the Eat More Barbecue podcast. I sure do appreciate you all listening in. For our first episode of 2022, we are bringing you part two of our annual year in review, looking back at the final six months of 2021. This episode, we hear from one of Weber Canada's grill masters, a Calgary radio legend, one of Canada's top barbecue chefs who is also a prolific cookbook author, and much, much more. That is coming right up after I tell you about the best sauce on the planet. Friends, I've been telling you about Sticky Fix from Motley Q for a while now. Recently named the 2021 Best Sauce on the Planet at the American Royal World Series of Barbecue Sauce Contest, Sticky Fix will be your new go-to. Perfect for the whole family. Believe me when I say this stuff goes great on everything, from quick grilled chicken to a 16-hour slow-smoked pork butt. Joe and Jess from Motley Q are mainstays on the Canadian competition barbecue scene, and their years of culinary and competition experience shine through in all of their products. They put lots of time and careful attention into each item, and they love how barbecue brings people together. Barbecue is a big part of their family, and they want to help everyone make it a part of theirs too. Motley Q sauces and seasonings are crafted to deliver high-quality flavor to all barbecue dishes, from beef, chicken, and pork, to wild game and vegetables. They've got a sauce or seasoning fit for any dish or occasion. Visit MotleyQ.ca to see their full lineup and get your bottle of the best sauce on the planet. Listeners of the Eat More Barbecue podcast can use the discount code EATMOREQ to save 15% off your order. That's discount code E-A-T-M-O-R-Q-U-E at MotleyQ.ca. In this first clip, I'm joined by Weber Canada Grillmaster, Chef Michael Clive. Here he talks about his early days in the culinary business and how he ended up at working at Weber and working with fellow grill master Damien Chong. I don't know who out there can remember their guidance counselor's name, but I can. Yep. Uh, Len Lesser had, mm-hmm. had it on the money. Yeah. Nail, nail on the head. So, yep. Anyway, that was uh, London, Ontario, Fanshawe College, French-based, like primarily French cooking, right. um, under the tutelage of my mentor, Alan Kerr. Okay, excellent. And then uh, from there, what was kind of the progression in the uh, the culinary world for you? It's it's been a it's ongoing. It's this yeah. journey that just continues to unfold around every corner. Yep. Um, when I left culinary school, I started my own catering company. I did that for a couple of years. You know, going into people's homes. Yeah, I worked in restaurants, but I was also trying to get this catering thing going. Right. And it started going pretty well. Mm-hmm started promoting it on a local morning show at the time. Every, every town had a, a local morning show, right. like a TV show. Yeah. And I started cooking on it. Next thing I know, I'm like figuring out how to speak on TV and cook at the same time right. and realizing that in itself is a art form, I guess. Like, like we were just talking um, about drumming. But I did with, it. Uh, and yeah. then. I, oh yeah. 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 Doing, doing two different things. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I worked I worked under some great chefs, but, you know, I'm not sure those are the same chefs that would be able to, you know, dance the tightrope of mm-hmm. 
make it entertaining at the same time. Right. I don't know. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I worked in restaurants, had a catering company, got a call to come and do the morning show in Toronto. We have I had a breakfast television. It was like two mm. weeks after 9-11, um, which was really awkward because my catering company was called Great Balls of Fire. Ooh. And I had a gentleman at the show pull me aside and say, your, the name of your catering company is terrible. Um, no one had planned on... It's a song yeah. from Jerry yeah. Lee Lewis. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I did that, and that opened up a bunch of, you know, going to Toronto, just like a band going to Toronto and playing, you know, the Horseshoe Tavern and somebody seeing them that night. Yeah. I got home in my answering machine. That was back in the day, like, before cell phones. Mm-hmm. And I got home, and there was, like, an answering machine, you know, all sorts of interesting concepts to do with cooking and talking. Right. So, next thing I know, I'm in Toronto. <laughs> it's a long story, man. Yeah, like, no, it's great, though. That's, uh, go all day it's interesting to hear that, uh, uh, yeah. Well, you know what it was in culinary school. I really enjoyed talking about what it was that I was doing at the, you know, as at the same time as preparing food. And the dean of that program recognized that and gave me some opportunities. And I just have never said no to a good, to an, like a decent opportunity. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that it's done me pretty well, but yeah. I'm always curious what's on, on the other side of the, the door. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, uh, I met a woman named Renee. I don't know. Are you familiar with Renee's Gourmet, the salad dressing company out there? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. So she was, uh, we watched a cooking show that I did. And next thing I know, I'm corporate chefing and learning all about working in an office environment, being a chef. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that I, I think I can communicate with people like that yep. as well as people in the food world. Um, and so, uh, I don't know. just kind of learned that. And then over the years, it's just been about barbecue. It's just mm-hmm. like my focus kept on coming back to simpler, making things sort of, and I had a deep fascination in what happens to proteins when you hit them with enough heat at a low temperature for a long period of time. Right. Um, you know, the, the whole breaking down of collagen and making yeah. a, a, what was once a peasant cut. Yeah dance on your dinner plate that's right you know what yeah. i mean yeah um but nothing is a peasant cut anymore unless no, you're into uh, tripe yeah. you know like the brisket the pork shoulder yep. ribs pork ribs are as much as a brisket in some parts of this uh north america right now yep so you know barbecue places are having to change their prices people don't want to pay uh what they would pay for a brisket for a, a you know baby back ribs mm-hmm. And more and more people are becoming very good at doing backyard barbecue. Yeah. Um, whether it be what they're they're learning on TV or in books or the gear that they're using, mm-hmm. I would say that good gear helps your game uh, yeah. really well. And I, I couldn't be luckier working for Weber. I no mean, doubt. Yep. I'm going on eight years of Weber. Wow. Eight, and it's been probably one of the best things ever. Um, the people I met. The things I've learned, um, the food I've eaten, yeah. the places I've traveled. It's without a doubt eye-opening. Yeah. Um, and I get asked all the time, Ryan, not asked, I get told, like, it's one of the greatest, you know, things to be able to get up and barbecue every day. No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Every day. Yeah. So how did the Weber kind of, how did the Weber gig kind of come to be? I was, it was 2014 and my, uh, how do I put this? My first marriage crumbled and I crawled back to Toronto mm-hmm. 
and I was running a test kitchen called Clive's Test Kitchen. All right. Clive's Test Kitchen, where <laughs> we would have, you know, companies come in, me and, you know, one or two other people, and we would perform demonstrations with their food item. Okay. So let's imagine some company, say a company, you know, that uses a lot of like butter. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's imagine they came in my home and shot a commercial. Right. Okay. So I would do all the behind the scenes. They'd bring in a host. If they didn't have a host, I could probably do it. Yeah. My hair was shorter. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, they, I did that for about a year. And then I got a call from a, a woman that I met 20 years ago. She worked for Weber. She was in charge of their PR for Canada. Her name is Teresa Stahl. She's an, just a wonderful person. Yep. And she called me up and she said, look, I really want you to meet somebody who uh, has been working for Weber in Canada now for three years. And he's got a dream. He's got a vision. Mm-hmm. And so we met. His name's Tony. He's actually the GM of Weber Canada. And he, he showed me pictures of Weber grill academies, indoor grilling schools right. from all around the world. Yep. Particularly places in Europe. Mm-hmm. And my jaw was on the ground i was trying in this meeting i was you know trying to keep myself composed but i was in the i knew i was in the room where i wanted to be i mean weber when you think of grilling and barbecue i mean it's hard not to to think of weber there i mean over 70 years in game and so i'm looking at grill academies indoor grilling schools knowing i won in one day want to open up maybe my own school of of some kind and um I couldn't say no. It was all like, let's do this here in Canada. Mm-hmm. We can do it in eight months. I I couldn't believe that. And yep. so we did it. Yep. There we were, like, driving on the road to the building. And then imagine the two of us kicking our heels into the gravel, yep. you know, going, this is where the hood system will be. And it'll be six, 16 feet long. Yep. And, and it just... And we'll load it up with charcoal smokers and gas grills. And we did that. And the whole time, Ryan, I'm going, we're building field of dreams for grillers. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Are they going to come? Mm-hmm. Are they going to want to do this? Yep. And I'm telling you, almost eight years, thousands of people over eight years have come through, whether it be for a basics class, intermediate smoking, mm-hmm. yep. um, you know, in classes, they've, they've come through. It's been awesome. Yeah. But I, I haven't done it alone. I mean, I was the general manager, Tony. It was yeah. Teresa Stahl. It was our marketing team. It was Damien Chong, Damien, our yeah. other grill master. Yep. And if you don't know Damien well, mm-hmm. uh, one should get to know him. Yep. He is the, I've never worked with anybody as long as I've worked with Damien. And he's just amazing. Yeah. Um, talk about like a cerebral chef, you know? Okay. Um, and kind of like a human Google machine when it comes to culinary. So, yeah. Anyway, you should interview him. I'll have to get him on as well. Yeah, you sounds uh, just watching the two of you. You definitely you've got a great dynamic, and looks like you certainly have a lot of fun uh, working together. So, yeah, well, you'd have to ask him that. Um, <laughs> I know I have fun yep. working with him. Yeah, awesome. I, I think it's, it's like Daryl Hall and John Oates right. uh, at times. You know what's the coolest? thing about working with Damien is the coolest thing is that I could say, Ryan, I could say something like, hey, do you remember that time we went to Calgary? And then the next words out of his mouth will be, oh, you mean the guy that wanted only the fat off the brisket and, and then threw it between two slices of bread? Yep. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly the guy. That's exactly what I was thinking about. Yep. You know, he can 
and we're on that level now. There's like a telepathic thing. Yeah. I think so. Yep. You're on the kind of the same wavelength for sure. So. On episode number 160, Alex and Matt from, from Alberta's own Drumbo join me to talk about their drum smoker business. Here they discuss the passion and energy they have for the company and some other local companies they are happy to work with. From what I saw in Lethbridge, uh, you've talked about what sets the, the product itself apart, but I think you guys and your energy is what sets you guys <laughs> apart from the competition. Yeah. Thank well, you. it's his energy. Yeah. I just, I just live off. Of it. <laughs> he sleeps, and I never sleep. Yeah, I go on this little bundle of fire. Yeah, well, you guys, you're everywhere, man, and uh, you're running around at the Thank golf you. cart and uh, <laughs> yeah. made good yeah, use. I of don't it, like so. it anything. I got FOMO. Yeah, yeah. No, our our energy purely comes from uh, you know just well, it's just who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, I. I'm very passionate for what I do and uh, I, I do have a lot of energy and mm -hmm. I put a lot of my energy and time into things that I love. So, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and, and I like talking to people. Yeah. <laughs> to be yeah. Honest. Like to yeah. So yeah, that's me in a <laughs> nutshell. Yep. Yeah. You kind of talked, uh, you mentioned it there uh, with just the, the look of the drums, uh, the powder coat finish. Talk about, uh, I think you've got some partners that you work with for, for the finish. And uh, yeah. So mm -hmm. we got these fellas named, uh, in doghouse coding in vermilion they're just uh, i don't know maybe 25 30 minutes yep uh north of us 40 minutes it's 40 minutes well not the way you your speed but, yeah it Dep depends who's driving right yeah sure, <laughs> driving yeah At 117 so. it's still 40 minutes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah doghouse coding man these guys are so um, i'm standing in princess auto and um, I was referred to by a friend. They said, you guys should really check out Doghouse. They're a local company. And this is back when we were kind of first starting out. Mm -hmm. So I, I gave uh, Justin uh, a call. That's the number I got. And man, we just, we hit it off just like that. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we we laughed. We all had a couple beers. And you know yeah. what? Uh, we're proud to say that, you know, even they've had to move from their small garage to a different shop. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, like it, it's been and amazing. I'm it because of what we're giving. Yeah. Nice. And yeah. it's amazing. So like. You know, not only do we get to, you know, build something and a foundation here in Wainwright with Drumbo, we get to actually help support other small businesses as mm -hmm. well. And, you know, that, that helps me sleep at night, you know, that gives Absolutely. me like those uh, goosebumps, if yeah. you will, or, you yeah. know, like it just, uh, it makes me smile. Right. So uh, I should remind you that you said you didn't sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that comforting feeling. That yeah. I got you. The warm and fuzzies, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, and another uh, another kind of local company I see you've done some work with is 1908, right? 1908 Barbecue. Absolutely, yeah. 1908. 1908. Yeah. <clears throat> Originally, um, I I was competing in barbecue with okay. the barbecue team Q up. I was pit master for that. Yep. And um, uh, Marty Yurchak, he was uh, buddies. We were all we were all together. Anyway, after about uh, two years, we'd sort of, I think we'd run the course, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, COVID came along. And it was time to try something different and the band broke up uh, amicably, yep. you know, yep. so, you know, John and Paul are happy in this relationship. <laughs> and, um, of course that's dating me, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think you need much to do that. <laughs> I, I got the reference. <laughs> Ringo and George, I don't know where they are. <laughs> Pete's sitting outside. He's yeah. still salty. Yeah. Um, yeah, we decided to go in two different directions. Marty mm. wanted to go into the spices. We'd already started, 
well, being a barbecue team, a yeah. lot of us build our own spices, right? Sure. And we were really happy with the way some of our spices turned out, in particular uh, the quantum, the proton, the megaton lines from mm. uh, QR. Yep. And um, we basically, I basically said to him, uh, you know, run with it. Yeah. I'm going to go and build drums. Yeah. And so he went in that direction, and I went in this direction with Matt. Yep. And um, yeah, I mean the. We're like three, four minutes away from where they are. So, yeah, you know, we see them a lot. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Sean and Marty, those guys are uh, they're one of a kind. You know, they're a good group, a good group of guys for yeah. sure. And uh, and they're busy, busy as well. Yeah. yeah, very busy. And it's so nice that we can help support them too. And uh, and they support us. They they put a one of our drumbos on their show floor. Yeah. Um, we got a lot of interest just from that alone. Perfect. So, nice. And Marty was. Just had our one of our, our drumbos out at the campsite the other day. Just come yep. fix it up off our deck and yep. want to use it. Go ahead, man. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Nice to see you guys uh, working together and supporting each other, right? And help, yeah, that's uh, what it's all about. That's barbecue. Yep, you know? it is absolutely. Yeah, is. let's get along. Yeah, yeah. help everybody grow and uh, succeed, yeah. right? So. Absolutely. Ted Reader is a barbecue legend in Canada and one of the country's most prolific cookbook authors. In this clip, he talks about his early days developing recipes for print and his part in developing a product line for one of Canada's top grocery chains. Uh, working on number 22. Awesome. And then a few others will come down the line after that. Yep. It's uh, it's a fun thing to do. I love to write. Yeah. And uh, I cook it, I write it, and, and create it from there. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the, the Dave Nichols cookbook was kind of the launching point for that. Was there... Uh, is that something you realized early on that you wanted to do or was being pulled into that project? Did that kind of turn you on to it or where were you at? Well, it, it, a little bit of both. Huh. Uh, I never really thought about writing books before, before that opportunity. Yeah. Um, I was working for Loblaws and, and I had a number of projects and my mm -hmm. one project, my first project was to, to help finish the, the recipe development of, uh, of the of the Dave Nickel cookbook, and so my start into it was really the development of recipes. How do you how do you create the recipe using certain products? Mm -hmm. How do you make them uh, understandable and uh, simplified so that consumers, the average cook in their home, could make something that mm -hmm. is a little bit more than average and takes them out of their humdrum every day of cooking at home for the family yeah and so i learned how to develop a recipe mm -hmm. and and i learned to develop my recipe work to a man that had an incredible palate that had an incredible memory for the flavors that he tasted okay and dave nickel was was um was an incredible man and probably the most impressive palate i've ever come across in my entire career yeah and so to be able to work for him and to learn from him on how to taste and how to taste from the team at, at President's Choice, because they're all super tasters mm -hmm. and understanding the complexity of a recipe, whether it's a homemade chocolate chip cookie or the President's Choice decadent chocolate chip cookie, um, they're made differently. Mm -hmm. and, and, you, and when you taste, you have to taste for layers. Yeah and definitions and all of the senses of taste come together and you 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 find yourself having to think about what you're tasting 
Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I'm forever to my guys at the restaurant, salt and pepper, mm-hmm. more salt and pepper, more salt and pepper, season your food. Mm-hmm. Chefs season their food. If you yeah. don't season your food, you're not making great food. Yeah. You need to season. Yeah. Now I just, can't. yeah. Uh, for myself, I, I remember Dave Nickel from the, the president's choice commercials kind of early on, uh, for folks that are maybe, uh, a little younger that are listening or outside of the Canadian market. Can you kind of talk about who he was a little bit and uh, his role there with Loblaws and Superstore? And Well, he was, he was the, uh, he was a businessman. Yeah. He uh, was a lawyer and uh, graduated Harvard uh, business school okay. and uh, went to work in the financials game and ended up um, working with his friend was hired by uh, Galen Weston right. to come in and help, fix Loblaws. Okay. Loblaws was, this is back in the, in the, in the late seventies was not doing very well in the retail grocery market. And so Dave and a number of other people came on board and they had a vision and it started with the no name vision Mm -hmm. and they, they didn't create that. They saw that somewhere. Uh, I believe it was in France and they said, well, that's a really great idea. Let's start that. And so no name started first. And then he was the president of of a division of Loblaws, which was called Loblaw International Merchants. And they would buy and bring in, and he found special things and private labeled them under President's Choice, the Insider's Report. And he um, he was the really the founding father of private label. Right. Um, not the. Uh, He's the one who took it to the level it's at today. Yeah. President, what a lot of people don't know is that Loblaw's grocery store chain taught Walmart how to develop grocery store products and to create their own private label brand. Interesting. And there was a team of employees from Loblaw's living in Arkansas showing the way on how to do this. So it's interesting. um, Dave Nickel paved uh, uh, the private label world uh, highway. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and it was uh, all about the flavor. Yeah. Flavor first, price second. Yeah. That doesn't exist today. Yeah. The beginning of October brought us episode 171, and a big change for the podcast as I left the Alberta Podcast Network and began running ads on the show for barbecue related businesses. This first episode in the new for- format featured Calgary radio legend Jerry Forbes. Here he talks about his community support something he was almost as well known for as his on-air antics. Your community involvement, that's been a big, uh, well, a big my, thing my father, you, right? my father started Santa's Anonymous uh, right. in Alberta. And uh, when we were kids, he made sure that every kid that was underprivileged, uh, moms and dads that were going through a tough time living in housing projects, he made sure that everybody got a gift. Yep. He would get the staff from Chad to go out, one guy dressed as Santa Claus, pull up at the house, and on Christmas Eve, would drop off presents for everybody. Yep. And now it's grown into a massive undertaking. So much so that uh, they have opened up a massive warehouse in Edmonton, and it's called the Jerry Forbes Center. And um, they took every uh, charity in Edmonton in northern Alberta, put it under one roof, so uh, Heart and Stroke could work with the Red Cross. The Red okay. Cross yep. could work with um, uh, uh, United Way. Uh, Cancer Foundation, everybody could work under one roof and help each other. Right. So that has been his legacy. Plus, nice. uh, we learned that as kids through him, mm-hmm. that uh, if you have an opportunity to have a, a platform like radio, yep. uh, that you should give back. So I started the Jerry Forbes Secret Wish. 
Mm -hmm. And uh, we raised millions and millions of dollars to buy uh, school buses for special needs kids, build playgrounds, send kids away to Disneyland on private jets. Yep. Heart uh, operations for kids that weren't covered by the Alberta Health uh, um, Card. Mm -hmm. um, eye operations. Um, rapes, where a, a woman had been raped to put her in a safe home. Right. Fires when someone's house burned down. Mm -hmm. I, I got to work with the Calgary Police and the Calgary Fire Department, so they would call me if they knew these people were not covered the night of something going on. Right. And we would make sure that that night these people were looked after. And then it just kept growing and growing, and every Friday we would go out and knock on someone's door. Yep. After somebody had sent us a letter, we'd investigate it with an investigator and make sure everything was legit. Yep. We would show up at the door with money and anything they needed to get by. Nice. So it, it ended up, it's still going now. Yeah. Um, took my name off it because I've left the radio station, but the yep. guys doing it, Jesse and JD, are doing an amazing still job. Doing, yeah, just keeping and, it going. And uh, now they have the internet to work with too, so right. it's worked out fantastic. Yeah. That's awesome. And yeah. you mentioned uh, we're here at the Pig and Duke. Uh, Stephen's oh, uh, just behind Steven, us here. Yeah, here. He's, both of his restaurants got destroyed within two days. Yeah. And then his house, forgot to tell you, his house, the roof also oh, gave way. And this all happened. Three oh. things in one day. And then they had a trailer stolen or something, too, didn't they? He had they? his trailler yeah. stolen. Everything that bad that could happen <laughs> yeah, no happened kidding. to him. So yep. I organized a fundraiser with all uh, competing restaurants, uh, beer companies, um, anybody else that had come to the Pig and Duke. Yep downtown or here and guys like Ernie Sue on Trolley 5 and yep. um, the guys at Village Brewery and uh, Graham from Toolshed yep. and we all got together and uh, we raised a ton of money to keep the restaurant staff paid during renovations to be fixed and then COVID hit yeah. Getting so it. he managed to make it through all that yep. meander through all those disasters didn't have to get through COVID and the restaurants are still open and doing well awesome it's just the, the restaurant industry in Calgary is amazing. It is, yeah, real. And uh, resilient. The, yeah, the more I kind of get involved right. or into it, uh, mm -hmm. there's a real community uh, there, it's, right? It's fantastic. It's, uh, Everybody works yeah. together. Yeah. Um, Ernie's. Uh, Ernie at, two, at Trolley 5. Oh, is, yeah, he just does, does amazing a ton of things, stuff, yeah. yeah. And yeah. now we've got this, the COVID stuff we're coming through, and, of course, the yeah. identification issue came in. So Stephen's very careful about that. And yep. They followed all the... Uh, you know, all the rules and regulations through the summer and yep. managed to survive. Yeah, it's good to, uh, yeah. good to see. The the ones that make it through are going to be the... And then, of course, I told you, I make great friends like Graham Sherman, oh, hey. yeah. who is Mr. Barbecue. Absolutely, yeah. That guy's got notorious PIG uh, yeah, up at the brewery, and yep. now we've hired him on at Booker's as to, to be a consultant because his awesome. barbecue is so good. He's, yeah. And he's also the king of the sous vide. He knows how to cook with that thing, yep. too. Yeah, Graham. And he makes a pretty good beer. He makes some decent yeah. beer as well. We're yeah. enjoying a, a people skills yes, here. Yes, we so. are. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> no, it's great to see that uh, even though you're not directly involved as with the radio anymore you're still still a part of that community and still still good friends yeah. um with the ctv folks and with everybody who works at cj they're all yep. my buddies so because yep. i left on um my of my own choice and, yep. and retired at the right age and they had a huge party for me and a yep. great send-off and nice and uh, jd and i and jesse are best buds so yeah. it's good yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't know that much about the radio industry, but I don't know that many get to go out on their own terms like you did, eh? I think I might be the only one in Calgary, and <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it was good, too, because it was my idea to, to bring Jesse in, yep. and then I thought, I said, give me two years to, to get people to know him yeah. before I leave, because yep. no matter who you replace a longtime guy with, people are going to have some animosity towards him. 
But when you did it the way we did it, yeah. and I just sort of slipped out the back door, just transitioned out, and, yeah. and gave them my blessing. The yep. radio station never missed a beat. Yeah, that's awesome. And he yeah. and Jesse, he's uh, oh, he's crazy. He's, he's a great. He's guy. bought into Tool Shed. I saw just yeah, last he's, week. He's yeah, the funnest little gorilla you'll ever meet. <laughs> he's awesome. a monster of a man. When we return to the year in review, we will hear from the barbecue tourist and some great Alberta-based businesses. But first. A word from Pitt County Barbecue, who's bringing authentic North Carolina-style whole hog barbecue north of the border to Alberta and Canada. Based out of Edmonton with the ability to travel, Pitt County BBQ will come to your event and cook an entire pig on-site using their custom-built cooker designed by owner and pitmaster Peter Zakuski. Specializing in corporate catering and private events, Pitt County Barbecue brings a unique regional barbecue dining experience. From North Carolina chopped barbecue pork to Piedmont-style coleslaw, trust me when I say you've never tasted anything like this before. The meat is so good you don't even need sauce. Peter is truly inspired by the South. His attention to detail and quality is second to none. From delicious food to amazing customer service, make sure to book Pitt County Barbecue for your next event. Also, check out their recent web series, Friends of the Pit, on YouTube, and follow them on Instagram and Facebook. To book your event, visit their website at pittcountybbq.com. P-I-T-T-C-O-U-N-T-Y-B-B-Q.com. Episode 173 in October saw the return to the show of the barbecue tourist, Ryan Cooper. Ryan had previously appeared along with his Smoke Sheet Barbecue newsletter partner, Sean Ludwig, Sean Ludwig pre-pandemic. The last couple of years have been quite the roller coaster for Ryan as he faced a scary battle with cancer that I am happy to report he has been sex- successful in fighting. The last few years for you have been uh, tumultuous, I guess you could say, would probably be uh, an understatement. You, uh, you, you had a, a battle with cancer that you've uh, thankfully come through the other side with. Uh, kind of share that story a little bit and the journey for you. Yeah, so it was it it was pretty crazy and tumultuous as you described at the end of 2019. It was actually right after I got back from the Jack Daniels Invitational and the Texas Monthly Barbecue uh, Festival. Mm-hmm. I I had some abdominal pain. I went to work and I wasn't feeling that great, and so I. Um, ended up leaving work early and thought it was just a kind of a minor stomach ache. And, you know, by the middle of the night, I was in so much pain. I decided, you know, something was really wrong. I needed to go to the emergency room. So I drove myself, actually, my wife was in Italy at the time and, uh, and, uh, ended up having to undergo emergency surgery. They found out I had a, a blockage in my colon, which was due to colon cancer. Yikes. So it was kind of a, you know, a pretty startling realization mm-hmm. at the end of 2019. So I it pretty much after I recovered from surgery, I started cancer treatment for the next six months. And that has proven to be incredibly effective. Yep. Uh, as of right now, it's been a year and a half and I'm cancer free. That's awesome. And I get tested regularly and things are looking good. So it's really positive. Awesome. It was kind of strange that this whole journey almost coincided with the pandemic. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the last couple of years have been crazy for me, but it's been crazy for everybody. Yep. And (laughs) 
I was a little bit fortunate in that I was already sort of quarantining because right. I needed to stay healthy and right, yeah, everything like that. So um, it's been an interesting couple of years, but it's kind of amazing that in the last uh, last year and year and a half, I've made more friends than ever. It's mm. it's really incredible, and I'm really fortunate that the barbecue community has been so supportive of me um, in my journey. You know, always reaching out making sure I'm okay, yep. making sure I was there and lifting my spirits. It's been really great. Yeah. I know there's been a few different, uh, little things organized by folks in the barbecue world, uh, to send greetings at the very least your way. Right. So. Yes, that's right. It's been great. Yeah. That's, uh, well, they talk about it being a family, right. And that, uh, when something yes. like that, uh, something like that happens, uh, it, it shows, right. So. Definitely. So what, uh, any kind of changes for you, uh, Moving forward, lifestyle uh, to try to, I guess, stay healthy. I suppose. Uh, you know, it's tough. Tough when you're into barbecue. Yeah, it's it is <laughs> and it isn't. It's actually pretty interesting that barbecue seems to be one of those things that um, isn't so problematic mm-hmm. in terms of uh, being able to eat yeah. certain things. Uh, it's. It's other things that cause problems, but barbecue, thankfully, yeah. has been uh, something that I can incorporate and keep in my diet, good, which good. is good. Yeah, I guess the, the yeah. meat the meat itself is probably okay. It's all the other stuff that yes. sometimes comes with it. That, yeah, it's uh, all that other stuff that's not, not as good. <laughs> the sides yeah. and the desserts and everything that uh, yep. maybe need to watch out for. Well, that's... Uh, now, just uh, being in touch with you online over the last few years, I'm... Uh, uh, thrilled to hear that everything's uh, going well. So, uh, well done. Thank you. And, uh, so I guess just to, you talked about your, when you went into the hospital initially, your wife was away and you guys have a, 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 a son, a younger son, right? So what, uh, what happened with him? Did you have family or something that was able to jump in for you? Yeah. Yeah. Actually my, uh, my parents live in our neighborhood. And oh, perfect. Our son happened to be spending the night with ah. them anyway so it was very very fortunate no kidding yeah um, my wife was overseas for for business yep. and so uh she, you know i literally was calling her and texting her as i was being wheeled into the emergency room yikes and uh, i'm sure she was thinking you know what's yeah. going on what's what what's yep. happening so she wasn't expecting that calgary's village brewery lives its purpose of building community through beer and I was excited to sit down with head brewer Jeremy McLaughlin and community partnership and consumer experience manager Mike Garth at the brewery over a platter of delicious Jane Bond barbecue. In this clip, Mike and Jeremy discuss the importance of community to the brewery, specifically their gardener brew that uses hops grown in community gardens around the city. Let's talk about the village story a little bit, the history. Uh, yeah. So, like... The brewery started out um, in 2011 in December. We sold our first kegs. Um, I think it took around a year to to start up before then. And the group of initial uh, founders that started the brewery came from kind of a multi-discipline uh, background of everything you'd need to start a brewery. So okay. we had, a, you know, a master brewer who had um, worked all over the place, including Big Rock, and also done some time at Sleeman. Um, and yeah, he's he's had a very accomplished career. Larry, uh, he's he's retired um, since since uh, 
villages opened up. Okay. But, uh, you know, there was also people like, a, you know, an, an accountant, someone who knew how to develop a business, marketing person, Jim Button, is yep, probably yep. the most, like... Yeah, I've heard, mm-hmm. of, heard him talk and different things enough, but yeah. Yeah, he's the most locally famous yep. person on our, on our founder group, and he, uh, you know, he was the face of the brewery publicly. Right. Yep. Um, and he... Yeah, he kind of helped build the foundation. He 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 was the foundation. Him and Tom Stewart to to really get things going for us. Um, you know, from a day to day side, and uh, yeah, you know, the the focus was always you know, as Jim said, support your community, and and that's kind of that was what the brewery was founded on. And you know, supporting the community can mean a number of things, and it can mean event sponsorship, where it's simply just like, you know, oh, some community wants to have an event, so we we donate some beer to their cause that's that's the easy stuff the the harder stuff and i'm using air quotes though not on camera pretty tight um is that you know you've got events that are maybe a little bit more complicated so we've got our gardener project okay which is awesome and it's you know for i think the past like six years seven years wow i got i don't even know anymore and i'm not a library of information that's what i'm not but with the gardener we uh we were buying hop rhizomes and planting them around the city as a long-term investment in the community gardens that were planting them okay. and the people's houses. And we would go around and pick those hops every year and make a beer out of the hops we pick. Nice. Yeah. And it's like, I think Gardner might be a, a, a household name for projects in Calgary that people know, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it is pretty cool. That kind of investment in your community and all the proceeds, you know, we work with ATB on this and a lot of the proceeds would go back to the community gardens to help book boost up their capabilities you know things like tools that are shared you know whatever they need to, to okay. help make it work awesome yeah and the, and the beer is pretty good too yeah <laughs> yeah so we do something different every year and uh they certainly were unique yeah yeah beets one year cucumber one year basil but okay. always with the community hop so that was the nice yeah. that nice. was a connection yeah mm-hmm. i love that and uh how have you seen in your guys your time here uh, the growth of the brewery I don't know. Okay, so so I'd say like it's amazing. You know, when when uh, when the brewery started, um, there wasn't much for uh, competition. Let's say there was, you know, there was Big Rock, there was Wild Rose, which not to discount them, um, Brewsters was around. Yeah, but like there weren't many quote big bigger craft breweries or right. even just craft breweries in general. There yeah. were some legislation changes that happened around 2014. Yeah, and. That allowed places like Dandy and Toolshed to open up right on the heels of those changes. Yeah, lowering the minimums that yeah. you need to brew it via yeah. brewery. Yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of silly. Like you before, um, I'm not going to quote numbers because I'll screw it up. But before yeah, you had high. to, you'd have this high ceiling or high high bar to entry the the brewing before you get your your license. So you'd be able to produce X number of thousands of liters of beer a year, and then you know places like Dandy. Uh, opened up and they could do a fraction of it like a very small fraction and it allowed nano breweries to exist or you know smaller microbreweries whatever Um, so seeing seeing that grow over the years you know Village got in before that so we're considered one of the older guards of craft breweries in the province which is super cool you know Um, we've seen the growth happen in the industry and that is never a bad thing you know having having all these breweries open up um, we've seen a real boom in the last five years, and it it's really, for every person, every consumer out there who picks up a pint of craft beer, 
it supports the cause. There's so much beach to lay on here um, that we've got, you know, any fan of craft beer is great for us. Yeah. Yeah. It also raises the bar, right? Yeah. As far as quality goes, better beers, there's more people out there, more water in the pond floats everybody's boat. Mm -hmm. Gem Alberta is home to Gemstone Grass-Fed Beef, a new venture started up by Lauren and Katie Dirksen as part of his family's larger traditional cattle operation. They are producing amazing grass-fed and finished Alberta beef that is full of flavor, well-marbled, and incredibly tender. Here, Lauren explains some of the concepts behind regenerative agriculture and rotational grazing. So you talked about the, the conventional cattle business, and then you've kind of led the charge into the the grass-fed grass-finished side of things a little bit yeah we've always raised cattle conventionally and and done grain-fed finishing in a feedlot yeah that's the standard in in canada and 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 most of north america Mm -hmm. i started learning about regenerative agriculture principles after i'd moved back to the farm right it's actually grass finishing is one of the fastest growing industries in the states okay a little bit slower to catch on here yeah kind of like barbecue everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the case yeah and uh yeah i don't know the the principles of it and the concepts really <clears throat> really made sense and mm-hmm. so that's kind of what got us got us into it awesome so talk about uh i guess talk about the uh the idea of the regenerative farming uh the crop ro- or grazing rotational grazing sorry and that sort of thing uh yeah the so the, the idea of it familiar is with it, yeah. the idea of regenerative agriculture is to focus less on inputs mm-hmm. and treat your land in a way that improves soil health soil improving soil health is kind of the whole the whole concept of right. it right when you say inputs you're talking fertilizers that fertilizers sort of okay. chemicals yep. Additives, yep. Uh, okay. yep all sprays all that kind of stuff right. and we can still use those things as a tool mm-hmm. we don't we don't necessarily have to be organic certified, but the focus is is less inputs right. and and a healthier nutrient cycling going on in the soil. Mm-hmm. And what we found is is uh, healthy soil equals healthy pastures equals healthy cattle equals healthy people. Go figure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it and, seems simple, but yeah. it's not. It's not what's being done. And yeah, uh, I think as. Uh, you know, like like all industries, as the agricultural industry and populations grew, there was a rush to get as much product to the market as possible, and people got away from those traditional ways of doing things that were were better for everybody, right? Exactly. Yeah, it, it's it's great to see a movement back to that now. Yeah, and there's lots of reasons for doing it. I mean, mm-hmm. like we were talking, the the feedlot industry mm-hmm. evolved to deliver efficiency and volume, and mm-hmm. that was a that makes sense. We had to do that, but yep. we left some of the things behind yeah. like animal health uh, and nutritional quality of food. Mm-hmm. And so we can bring, start to bring some of that stuff back. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great to see. Uh, you were talking when we were out on the, the tour there about the, with the rotational grazing and the, the importance of not, not having the animals eat the, eat the, uh, Silas, sorry, I'm losing my words here, but uh, not go right down to the dirt, right? Yeah, one of the princi- one of the uh, production methods of regenerative agriculture is mm-hmm. rotational grazing. Right. So we we segment our pastures into smaller uh, paddocks, mm-hmm. and we rotate our cattle through those paddocks. Mm-hmm. And we can even use um, 
portable electric fencing on yeah. a reel to make really small paddocks. So I actually will move the cattle anywhere from one to three times a day right. in the spring, summer, and fall. So that they're always getting the best grass, mm-hmm. most nutritious grass. Yeah. And uh, we can keep an eye on, on the level of grazing. So in that short period of time, you have a lot of cattle on a small area creating a lot of impact, mm-hmm. but they only are allowed to take one bite of the plant. So you only, you only end up grazing the top right. third to 50% of the plant. Yeah. And you were saying that's where the most health benefits for the animal is anyways, right? Yeah. That's the most nutritious part of the plant. Yeah. And it also keeps the roots growing. Mm-hmm. If you graze all the way to the ground, the roots stop. If you just graze the top, you still have all that solar panel there. Yeah. You got the, the sun beating down on that, the whole photosynthesis thing happening. And, yeah. and you're actually sequestering atmospheric carbon into the soil. Right. Yeah. We t- touched on that and, uh, you said there's research showing that that actually the the carbon sequestering is out outweighs the the negative impacts of the cattle right on the from a carbon standpoint it's the methane production and yeah cattle are part of the carbon cycle yeah and a really important part of it yeah but the way you graze can really positively influence the carbon cycle yeah and when you don't graze to the ground the plant continues its photosynthetic photosynthetic process right and you're storing a lot of a lot of carbon yeah and kind of a yeah some of the research that's being done now is showing that that there's a a net zero or maybe even more carbon being sequestered right than the animals emitting over its lifetime yeah that's great uh kind of counters that argument against the cattle industry of the you know the, the big carbon footprint, right? So, totally, yeah. It's a kind of exciting, nice to exciting see. stuff. Yep. And then with the the just the partial grazing down to that that just that top half, you said as as well that grows back much faster when you take the cattle off of that section and move them into a different paddock. Yeah, and it's it seems a little bit against against uh, what you'd think, but high impact, a lot of cattle on a area for a short period of time is the best is the best way it, the, it, it actually improves the soil. Yeah. The, yep. the gray, the not grazing, but the improves walking the, on the, I can't, um, no, that's okay. words are just gone to it improves the, <laughs> improves the nutrient cycle. But yeah. that, that, that animal impact is actually really important on the grass. Mm-hmm. I guess one way of explaining it is that we're trying to mimic the, uh, the patterns of the Buffalo yeah. back in the day, they would go around in massive herds mm-hmm. And it create a lot of damage to a, to an area for a short period of time, but it, it comes back right, right. away. Yep. And that's kind of the way it's like a forest fire, right? It mm-hmm. creates a lot of damage, but yep. the next year you got a lot of new growth. There. Right. Chef Jesse Cole has had quite the adventure opening up home time barbecue in Brooks, Alberta, right in the midst of the pandemic. From all reviews, he is knocking it out of the park. In this final clip for the year in review, Jesse reflects on the restaurant build-out experience. Yeah, we opened the first week of June. Yeah. So, um, oh man, it's like, like I was just counting today. I'm like, I guess it's been six months pretty much. Yeah, now. Getting just about, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been kind of, it's it's just crazy. Yeah. It's gone so fast. Have you been involved in restaurant builds previous to this? We've done, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done a couple. It's my first one where I've like got the ownership sure. stake. And, yeah, of course. But um, yeah, but uh, 
I've had a hand in a few. Actually, right out of cooking school, I was part of one. But I was so young then where it's, you know, you just, you have your blinders on, right? Yeah. So I couldn't imagine what the owners were actually going through. Yeah, whatever somebody, then. whatever somebody's telling you to do, you do, right? Yeah. You're just doing it yeah, right. Yeah. You know, trying not to make, make any mistakes. <laughs> Stay but, out of the way. Uh, yeah. And then um, when we had moved to Victoria mm-hmm. uh, 12 years ago, we had, uh, we ended up out there cause our chef at the time was, uh, he was the executive chef at Catch Restaurant in Calgary. Okay, yep. And uh, he had come. He had came to us, and he was like, "I'm, I'm putting my resignation, and I'm moving to Victoria, and we're gonna, be, we're gonna be renovating this hotel." And uh, he's like, "In a couple months, once I get settled, there'll be job opportunities if mm-hmm. you're interested." Right. And uh, I like walked out of the office that day. Was like, like dead set. Yeah. I'm going. Yeah. And. And it was funny because that's where I met Chris too. Oh, perfect. Yep. Yeah. So it was like I got there. I, I got a job as the banquet chef. He was the he was the restaurant manager. And then uh, by the time I, I had left, he was the F and B director and had just excelled tremendously mm-hmm. in there. Yep. And uh, our chef had he had moved to Ottawa and stuff like that. And then yeah, uh, so that was another one of the openings. And then. Um, Working with with Chris as well, we'd uh, I, I part I helped out when they opened their third restaurant. Oh, their, perfect! Uh, yep, they've got the Rubies. Yep, and then they had Jones Barbecue, so yep. they'd opened the, the second Ruby that I got to be a team part of the team on yeah, that. So too. some uh, got some got a little bit of experience going into it. Then talk about maybe some of the challenges you experienced, uh, you know, from the from the get go with securing the spot up into uh, getting it all opened. Uh, yeah, talk I mean, about the experience. I guess challenges, uh, lessons learned, that sort of thing. For sure, a lot of it. It's, uh, I guess, in a way, I'm kind of glad we. It took a little bit to get the show done, so I could reflect on some of mm-hmm. it. But um, you know, even right from the very beginning, was um, when I when I had left my position with Jones, it was like COVID happened. Like it was already happening, yeah. but it it locked down like a yeah. week later. And so we were sitting there going, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And uh, we were having the, the baby was on its way. We were trying to like sell our place, move to another province. No one's supposed to be going anywhere. No one's supposed to be doing anything. Yeah. And uh, so we were, you know, we were pretty cautious for the first little bit, but ultimately it was, let's just stay the course. Yeah. And uh so we had, you know, we made some trips to Alberta and stuff. So it was, it was navigating all of that too. Well, without getting scared. Yeah. And, uh, and then, um, ultimately find just trying to get our way to Alberta, which did take a few months. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, we, we found our spot and, you know, we were, we were lucky enough where nothing was happening at the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, we were kind of, we were kind of just uh, free to do what we were doing. Uh, we're real estate and things like it's, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Even here it's exploding now. Um, but a year ago, nothing was really happening yet. Right. So yep. we got our hands on our location and uh, just started building. But I think some of the challenges even were, you know, even when we were doing, we were getting our construction quotes, the price of lumber was changing daily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, by the time we had, 
got materials on site, they were doubling in price or you weren't even able to get them. Um, You know, things like door jams and getting windows to the building and that kind of stuff uh, were, were delayed and taking time. And then, you know, you're, you're trying to get a place built before the snow flies last year. Yep. Uh, you know, and we actually got lucky too last year. It was, we had a super mild winter. There wasn't a lot of snow. Like we had the roof off of the building in December. Oh, wow. And, uh, you, you know, and, and we're just trying to get it done before, before basically the, you know, the place fills up with snow. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cause you know, that can come anytime. So anytime. Right. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's funny, even this year, the, it was like, uh, I've been saying, I'm like, if you want to get into the barbecue game, your firewood game's got to be even better. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so like I spent all summer trying to like source enough wood where I wasn't dealing with it all in the winter at all. Right. Yep. So, you know, and, uh, and that's been interesting too, which again, you know, I learned all this stuff about wood that I just never thought it would. Yep. And, uh, and right now it was like, yeah, we opened the first week of June. Yeah. So, um, oh man, it's like, like I was just counting today. I'm like, I guess it's been six months pretty much. Yeah. Now. Just about. Yeah. 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 So it's been kind of, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. It's gone so fast. Have you been involved in restaurant builds previous to this? We've done. Yeah. 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 I've done a, couple it's my first one where i've like got the ownership sure. stake and yeah of course but um, yeah but uh i've had a hand in a few actually right out of cooking school i was part of one but i was so young then where it's you know you just you have your blinders on right yeah. so i couldn't imagine what the owners were actually going through yeah, whatever somebody then. whatever somebody's telling you to do you do right yeah you're just doing it yeah. right yeah. you know I'm trying not to make make any mistake <laughs> stay but, out of the way uh, yeah, and then um, when we had moved to Victoria mm-hmm. uh, twelve years ago, we had uh, we ended up out there because our chef at the time was uh, he was the executive chef at Catch Restaurant in Calgary. Okay, yeah. And uh, he had come, he had came to us, and he was like, "I'm I'm putting my resignation, and I'm moving to Victoria, and we're gonna be, we're gonna be renovating this hotel." And uh, he's like, in a couple months, once I get settled, there'll be job opportunities if mm-hmm. you're interested. Right. And uh, I like walked out of the office that day. Was like, like dead set. Yeah. I'm going. Yeah. And and it was funny because that's where I met Chris too. Ah, perfect. Yep. Yeah. So it was like I got there. I I got a job as the banquet chef. He was the he was the restaurant manager. And then. Uh, by the time uh, I had left, he was the F and B director and had just excelled tremendously mm-hmm. in there. Yep. And uh, our chef had he had moved to Ottawa and stuff like that. And then, yeah. Uh, so that was another one of the openings. And then um, working with with Chris as well, we'd uh, I, I part I helped out when they opened their third restaurant. Oh, their, perfect. Uh, yep. They've got the Rubies. Yep. And then they had Jones Barbecue, so yep. they had opened. The second Ruby that I got to be a team part of the team on that. Yeah, so too. some uh, got some got a little bit of experience going into it then. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by Pitt County Barbecue, who is bringing authentic North Carolina style whole hog barbecue north of the border to Alberta and Canada. Based out of Edmonton, with the ability to travel. 
Pitt County Barbecue will come to your event and cook an entire pig on site using their custom built cooker designed by owner and pitmaster Peter Zakuski. Specializing in corporate catering and private events, Pitt County Barbecue brings a unique regional barbecue dining experience. From North Carolina, chopped barbecue pork to Piedmont style coleslaw. Trust me when I say you've never tasted anything like this before. That meat is so good you don't even need sauce. Peter is truly inspired by the South. His attention to detail and quality is second to none. From delicious food to amazing customer service, make sure to book Pitt County Barbecue for your next event. Also check out their recent web series, Friends of the Pit, on YouTube and follow them on Instagram and Facebook. To book your event, visit their website at pittcountybarbecue.com. That's P-I-T-T-CountyBBQ.com. Talk about maybe some of the challenges you experienced, uh, you know, from the from the get-go with securing the spot up into uh, getting there all opened. Uh, yeah, Talk I about mean, the experience, I guess, challenges, uh, lessons learned, that sort of thing. For sure. A lot of it, it's... Uh, I guess in a way, I'm kind of glad we, it took a little bit to get the show done so I could reflect on some of mm-hmm. it. But, um, you know, even right from the very beginning was, um, when I, when I had left my position with Jones, it was like COVID happened. Like it was already happening, yeah. but it, it locked down like a yeah. week later. And so we were sitting there going, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were having the, the baby was on its way. We were, trying to like sell our place, move to another province. No one's supposed to be going anywhere. No one's supposed to be doing anything. Yeah. And uh, so we were, you know, we were pretty cautious for the first little bit, but ultimately it was, let's just stay the course. Yeah. And uh, so we had, you know, we made some trips to Alberta and stuff. So it was, it was navigating all of that too. Well, without getting scared. Yeah. And, uh, and then, um, ultimately find just trying to get our way to Alberta, which did take a few months. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, we, we found our spot and, you know, we were, we were lucky enough where nothing was happening at the time. Mm-hmm. So um, we were kind of, we were kind of just uh, free to do what we were doing. Uh, we're real estate and things like it's, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Even here it's exploding now. Um, but a year ago, nothing was really happening yet. Right. So yep. we got our hands on our location and, uh, just started building. But I think some of the challenges even were, you know, even when we were doing, we were getting our construction quotes, the price of lumber was changing daily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, by the time we had got materials on site, they were doubling in price yep. or you weren't even able to get them. Um, you know, things like door jams and, getting windows to the building and that kind of stuff uh, we're, we're delayed and taking time. And then, you know, you're, you're trying to get a place built before the snow flies last year. Yep. Uh, you know, and we actually got lucky too last year. It was, we had a super mild winter. There wasn't a lot of snow. Like we had the roof off of the building in December. Oh, wow. And, uh, you, you know, and, and we're just trying to get it done before, before it, Basically, the, you know, the place fills up with snow. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah, because you know that can come anytime. So. Anytime, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's funny, even this year, the it was like, uh, I've been saying, I'm like, if you want to get into the barbecue game, your firewood game's got to be even better. Yeah. Yep. 
<laughs> so like I spent all summer trying to like source enough wood where I wasn't dealing with it all in the winter at all. Right. Yeah. You are listening to Canada's longest running barbecue podcast, and it is time now for some barbecue news brought to you by the Barrel Boss Q, a family owned and operated small business in Leduc County, Alberta, and the manufacturer of the original Canadian drum smoker. Whether it is in the backyard or on the competition circuit, Kelly Troy and the Barrel Boss Q team are driven by the desire to watch their clients showcase their cooking talents, to slow down a bit and spend some quality time with family and friends. From entry level all the way to fully loaded models, Barrel Boss Q has the charcoal, drum smokers, and accessories you need to be the barbecue boss of your block or maybe get a walk at the next competition. Shipping to customers across Canada and the U.S., Barrel Boss Q spends time talking to their clients to make sure each and every smoker they make is special and meets the needs of the customer. Barrel Boss Q is honored to be a part of their customers' barbecue journeys. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram and visit them online at barrelbossq.ca to see the whole lineup. And tell them you heard about them on the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. There is not a lot of barbecue news to report on this week as we come out of the Christmas and New Year's holiday period, so I'd like to take a moment to say a few thank yous. First of all, thank you to each and every one of you that has tuned into the podcast over the last year. The show had over 11,500 listens this past year from countries all over the globe, from Canada and the U.S. to Saudi Arabia and Ukraine. Secondly, thank you to all of the guests that joined me on the podcast in 2021 to share their stories. Also, thank you to Karen and Fonda and all the member podcasts of the Alberta Podcast Network. I thoroughly enjoyed my couple of years as a part a couple of years as part of the network and you are doing important work. Having left the network in October, I want to express my gratitude to the companies that have come on board to sponsor the show, namely Motley Q, Pitt County Barbecue and Barrel Boss Q. I'm excited to announce that all three companies are continuing their support of the show into 2022 and will be introducing a new but not so new addition to the group group very soon. Lastly, thanks to my family for their support of what I'm doing and allowing me the time to conduct the interviews and do the weekly work needed to edit and produce the show, not to mention everything else involved in this crazy barbecue hobby of mine. Tune in next week as we'll be back with all new content, content featuring a visit from Barbecue Beat podcast host Kevin Sandridge. You can find me online at www.eatmorebarbecue.ca and also at www.albertabbqtrail.ca where you can check out the listing of barbecue joints here in Alberta so you can get out there and show them your support. If you're not in Alberta, get out to your local barbecue joints and show them some love. Thanks to Alan Horbin for the great music on this and every episode of the Eat More Barbecue podcast. That's a wrap, everybody. See you all next week and keep on smoking.